This is the Tinkered Thinking Podcast. Episode 216, Taking It to the Min. Usually we hear about taking it to the max. Turn up the volume to 11, go the extra mile, just one more drink, do one more push-up, just one more bite, just one more pair of shoes or gadget, just one more Netflix episode. It would be easy to just label ourselves as consumers, often mindless in the act of consuming, and shake a finger at this culture of consumerism. But like any generality, this misses nuances that begin to erode such a label. We would be better described as filters of experience. We are like combs that are passing through all the various versions of reality that we can muster. Perhaps we are organizing it, or perhaps like a combine harvester for farming, we are trying to separate the fruit from the straw in order to level up our current reality to a more interesting and expansive one. Unfortunately, it seems that the long time we spent without abundance dictates in evolutionary biology that we have feedback mechanisms in our brain, mostly attached to dopamine production, that has us geared towards taking it to the max when it comes to things we find pleasurable, like food, sex, and rock and roll. Oh, and drugs, of course. The opiate crisis, the obesity epidemic, the ubiquity of internet pornography might simply be described as the result of a dopamine mechanism that is still calibrated to a much leaner environment when such abundance was not available. Our systems were in equilibrium with those leaner times, and now that we've changed the environment, our systems don't respond ideally because they are not calibrated for such ripe resources. This is essentially what evolutionary biology seeks to explore. While the dopamine cycle might win a majority when it comes to dictating human behavior, it does not dictate all human behavior. The dopamine cycle is part of an older part of the brain if we view the brain in terms of evolutionary development. Our newer hardware, the neocortex, is where our executive function mostly resides, and it's this part of the brain where we as humans can do a truly remarkable thing. We can learn something conceptually, understand its full ramifications without actually experiencing them, and then override our older systems, such as the dopamine cycle, and change our behavior to gain a greater understanding and experience of reality. To put simply, we might be hardwired to take it to the max, but we can run any new program we want, thus allowing us to take it to the minimum. That is, if doing so makes sense. Take, for example, the case of Angus Barbieri. In 1965, Angus weighed 456 pounds. And in that same year, he decided he was sick of being so heavy. So under doctor supervision, he went on a fast. The doctors recommended a short fast, but Angus really took it to the minimum. He fasted for 382 days and lost 276 pounds. He did not eat. He took vitamins and drank tea, coffee, and sparkling water, but other than that, Angus did not eat for 382 days. Just remember that fact next time you hear yourself saying, I'm starving, or when you hear someone else say it. If you have the resources to read this post or listen to this episode, then it's simply not true. The human body has powers that are unfortunately rarely tapped in our comfortable modern society. The benefits of fasting have been known in the scientific community for decades, and recent research is only adding robustness to this old knowledge. 
it does well to think about it this way. If you knew you were going to lose 90% of your possessions in your home tomorrow, what would you safeguard today? This is essentially what the body does when there is no food available. It holds on to the essentials, making them stronger and more robust, and then literally cuts the fat. William James once wrote, We learn most about a thing when we view it under a microscope, as it were, or in its most exaggerated form. Exaggerated form is the key phrase here. The extremes are where things literally reveal the breadth of their existence. If you run for as long as you can today, that's potentially useful information. Funny enough, though, if you do so, you'll be able to run farther tomorrow and extend your own personal extreme. Sitting in silence for one minute might feel chaotic and unbearable, but do it enough times and gradually the experience changes. This is another way to take it to the minimum. Those who meditate daily are trying to do essentially that, take the mind down to a current minimum of activity. For reasons beyond the scope here, it clearly has a lot of long-term benefit. Another example is a sort of lifestyle exercise that the ancient Stoics used to practice and recommend. Seneca would, for several days a month, eat the plainest food, wear the simplest clothing, and sleep on the floor. Though he was one of the wealthiest men of his time, he found great benefit in this practice because it kept him perpetually prepared for potential disaster. If he woke up one day and found that he'd somehow lost all his wealth, the experience of living on bare essentials would not be a shock, and so his mind was protected from panic, distress, and chaos in this way. Risk is a very strange concept in our cultural mind these days. Somehow, in the same cultural breath, we say that improvement and innovation requires risk, and yet we constantly look for safe, risk-averse options. The mistake is thinking that this is an either-or situation. We love either-ors because, for whatever reason, we love taking a side. Perhaps it helps with establishing some kind of stable identity. Straddling categories seems to be difficult, even though this is generally where the most interesting and beneficial experiences arise from. We can ask about our behaviors and habits. What should we try to take to the max? And what would be interesting to take to the minimum? To loosely quote Brian Kopelman and David Levian, the only person more capable than a man with infinite resources is someone with nothing to lose. Taking oneself to the minimum can make one invincible to things that annoy, frustrate, and panic other people, granting you clarity to see the next best step when everyone else is caught up in their own idea of what's happening. This is the Tinkered Thinking Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you find the Tinkered Thinking Podcast valuable, there are many ways you can support it. You can review it on iTunes, you can share it on social media with your friends. You can blog about it or discuss it on your own podcast. Or you can support it directly. And you can do this on the support page at tinkeredthinking.com. Both one-time support and monthly subscription support options are available. Thank you for your support of the show. It's listeners like you that make all of this possible. Any feedback or questions are always welcome, so feel free to reach out. And until tomorrow, remember to be careful about the context.